Matthew chapter 2 this morning. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. I want to preach to you this morning about seeking Jesus Christ. Seeking Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 2. Here in the text there's outlined two different parties of men. And both parties claimed that they were seeking the Son of God. And so I want to try to look at that a little bit this morning. So look with me in Matthew chapter 2 and look in verse 1. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor." That shall rule my people. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star... They rejoiced with exceeding great joy. See, both, both folks say that they're looking for the Lord, but only one was a genuine seeker. And so I want to try and outline a couple of things about that this morning. Father, <clears throat> excuse me, Lord, we thank you for your goodness today. Lord, thank you, God, for this good singing. Lord, thank you, God, Lord, for a church to come to this morning. And Lord, we pray, God, as we... Uh, come to the preaching hour, Lord, pray that you'd meet with us, God, and help us, Lord, to understand, Lord, what you got for us. I pray that you'd help me to be clear. I pray, God, that you would uh, give these ears to hear, Lord. I pray if there's somebody in here, Lord, that's never really come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, Lord, I pray that you'd make that plain to them this morning. And God, Lord, help them. God, help them to see their need for a Savior. God, help them to see what salvation is about. And Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, my desire this morning is to emphasize some of the differences between uh, these two people, these two parties of individuals that say that they're seekers. Is, and my, my motive for doing so is that these two groups of people are representative of two much greater companies of people. There are people all throughout this world today that say that they're really looking for Jesus Christ. You bump into them on the street and you talk to them and try and be a little witness for them and, oh yeah, I want to go to heaven or, oh yeah, I know who Jesus is. And they act like they're seekers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, but when things, when push comes to shove or as they say, when the rubber meets the road, they're not really looking for the Lord at all. And so let me say this, first of all, before we even get started. If you are genuinely looking for the Lord, or if you have genuinely looked for the Lord and found Him, let me just say this. The Bible says, ask and it'll be given to you. Knock and it'll, it'll be opened unto you. Seek and ye shall find. The Lord is not paying. He's not playing peekaboo with you. The Lord is not... 
uh, saying, well, you know, you've got to come up to here in order to find me. I'm talking about matters of salvation this morning. That's, that's the nature of the message. God being my helper this morning. The Lord's not playing games with you. Uh, the Lord said, if you'll believe, if you'll call, if you'll seek, you'll, you'll find me. And so, the, so get it out of your mind this morning that I'm trying to call into question uh, the effectiveness of your seeking. What I am trying to call into question uh, is the possibility of did you even look for him? And that's a, that's a big question. I was talking to Brother Clint this morning about a certain situation. And I said, I, I believe with all my heart. And the further we go, the more I believe this, that there's a lot of people sitting in Baptist churches all across the United States. It's been that way a long time in Southern Baptist churches. But now, it, and maybe it's been that way uh, a long time in independent Baptist churches. But the, the longer I go, the more I believe with all of my heart. There's a lot of people sitting in independent Baptist churches who say that they're saved. They, they, uh, they, but really what they're doing is they're just playing a game. And they're just going through the motions and just doing the thing. And I, boy, it's really hard to tell who that is. And the Lord said it was going to be that way. Uh, the Lord said that he told a parable one time. He said, uh, he said, while men slept, his enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat. And, you know, when those things are first growing up, I, I've never really been around wheat fields very much. And i be honest with you, I probably couldn't even spot a tear if I tried. But the idea behind that parable is that when those things are just beginning to grow, it's a little bit harder to tell the difference between the wheat and the tares. And it, so he said, hey, let them grow up both together. And he said, in the harvest, we'll sort them out. And I'm telling you, listen, I'm telling you, it's something, I'm not trying to necessarily scare you this morning, but it is a scary thought. It is a scary thought to, for somebody to sit in a Baptist church their entire life, or, or, I mean, and I say their entire life, you don't have to be 60 or 90 to sit in a, in a Baptist church your entire life. You can be 15, you can be 5, you can be 20, you can be 32, 35. To sit in church your whole life and just think that because you show up at church and because you were good friends with a preacher and because your, I was going to say your mom or daddy, your daddy was a deacon. Uh, mamas can't be deacons in a church, not in a Bible believing church. But, uh, but there's a lot of people. I uh, told you one time about witnessing to a uh, girl up at Harvey's and I said, you saved? And she said, no. She said, but my grandma's a pastor. My grandma's a preacher is what she said. And people think, I, I suppose that the reason that people would bring that up is because they think that that earns them some kind of merit with the Lord. They think that there's something along those lines that, well, maybe they'll be able to hide behind when the Lord begins to separate the wheat and the tares. And that's not the case, folks. Uh, the only thing that you're going to be able to hide behind, so to speak, is what are you pinning your hopes to as far as your justification in the sight of God? And it has to be pinned on the right thing. You say, what is that? Trust in what Jesus Christ did for you at Calvary. That's the only thing. That's the only thing. And so what I'm trying to say this morning is that if you really sought him and you did what he told you to do, to believe, to call upon him, then he said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. He saved you. But my question for you this morning is, did you really look for him? Or was you doing something else? And we'll elaborate a little bit more on that as we get through the message. And 
let me just say, did you look for him? Can you say, can you say with the, with the bride in the book of Song of Solomon, I have found him whom my soul loveth? That's a big question. Can you say, I found him? Yes, sir. Uh, say a lot of people say, uh, I found a church. I found a youth group for my teenagers. I found a Sunday school program. Or I, I found, you know, a place that is a safe haven to raise my family. But that's not, that's not the question this morning. The question is, did you find Jesus Christ? Hey, listen, let me tell you something to just reiterate for just a second. Uh, a youth group's not going to keep anybody out of hell. And listen, a, a, good, a good music program, I really hate to use that term about a church, but a good music program is all well and good and it's all wonderful, but that don't keep nobody out of hell. At the end of the day, you've got sins that you've committed, you've got disobedience that has to be answered for, and there's only one place to get it answered. It's at Calvary. Listen, somebody, somebody had to live a perfectly obedient life to take care of of your perfectly disobedient life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. When I say perfectly, I mean completely disobedient. Yes, sir. Somebody has to take care of that this morning. Uh, in the passage, there's two men, uh, there's two groups of men saying they were looking for the same individual and one group actually did. And you know what? They, when they said they actually did, when they said they actually looked for him, they found him. That's what I'm trying to get across to you this morning in the, in, in the introduction. And, but there's other folks that said, oh, yeah, we're looking. There's another person who said, oh, yeah, we're looking for him. I'm looking for him. But they never found him. They never found Jesus. Yes, sir. And it's those people. Listen, it's that group of people that I'm trying to address this morning. And it's that group of people that Christ said of them, this people draweth nigh to me with their mouth but their heart's far from me. I'm not talking about getting backslid this morning. I'm talking about never, never, never having come into contact with Jesus Christ. Some of you this morning probably sitting here, and I don't really know, but some of you probably sitting in here, and you probably backslid. Might be sitting here that way this morning, but I guarantee you there's a time to where you could say, boy, I found him that's altogether lovely. I found him. I, I know him. I know it. You can say that this morning if you found him. But there could very well, could very well possibly be some of you sitting in here this morning. You never found him. You found a bunch of other stuff. And let me say this. What you found is what you was looking for. Hey, can I say this? Nobody gets saved on accident. You get saved on purpose. You come to a saving knowledge of the lovely Lamb of God because that's what you want to do. I am not, I am not a stinking Calvinist. Yes, sir. God does not overthrow. He does not overpower any man's will. You have a choice. <clears throat> yes, sir. You have a choice and you have to choose to be born again. Yes, sir. You don't get saved by accident. You didn't get saved because you woke up one morning and saw a squirrel run across the road that you was driving on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We'll elaborate on that here just a little bit. 
Uh, but in general, let me say this. In general, here's the major difference. I want to make a couple of points this morning. Let me make one point in general, and then I'll deal with a couple of specifics out of the passage. Let me say, first of all, in general, here's the difference between the two groups of people. You ready? Look here in verse 1. The Bible said, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east. He said there in the beginning of verse 1, Now when Jesus was born. When Jesus was born. Have you seen any full-grown men ever be born? I haven't. You know how when men are born, you know how they're born? They're born as babies. And you know when Herod started looking for Jesus, you know what he was looking for? Looking for a baby. When the, when, when the wise men came to look for him, you know who the wise men were looking for? Verse 2. These wise men came saying, where's he that's born king? The wise men didn't come looking necessarily for a baby. They knew that he was a baby. But they came looking for somebody more than that. They came looking for a king. That's not who Herod was looking for. Herod was just looking for a baby. Yes, sir. The difference between the two companies that's represented here in the text is their avenue of approach. It's their attitude. You know, a lot of people have approached Jesus Christ just the same way that you would approach a baby. Oh, Ain't that right? Hey, when a baby's born, I don't know how they do things in other countries because I was born here and I like here. But here in this country... When, when a baby's born, traditionally what we do is, uh, I say what we do, I don't do it. None, none of the fellas in here do it unless you're a little bit strange. But you ladies get together and you throw a little baby shower. And that, listen to me, that's exactly how a lot of people are looking at salvation. They equate it with the experience of just very similar to that of a baby shower. It's something sentimental. It's something emotional. It's something, you know, that we're turning the page in our life. This is a new experience in our life. That's how a lot of people are looking at it. Uh, there is a church up in Connecticut. I'm almost tempted to call the guy's name, but I can't remember it. Uh, but the guy took a Bible-believing Baptist church, a uh, pretty good church. I mean, I don't know the pastor all that well, but the pastor retired. He had some health problems, and so he, he had to retire, and he moved to Florida. Connecticut moved to Florida. Did you know that Florida's a Yankee state? That's <laughs> uh, for all our Floridians here. But anyways, uh, but he moved to Florida. But, but uh, the, the pastor that came in and took that church went to this recovering fundamentalist stupidity. And it wasn't very long before he turned it into where they got the uh, kind of music in there. And, you know, they put up a cross that's got lighting behind it and it's got the purple lights and you know what that is? That's turning. That's turning the experience of salvation into something along the lines of, oh. You say, why? Because that's what people think salvation is about. And I'm telling you this morning, that's not what salvation is. The reason that a lot of people cannot find the, the true, the lovely Lord Jesus Christ is because their avenue of, pro of approach is incorrect. They're approaching salvation as though it's just a sentimental experience. And let me tell you, let me tell you this this morning. When the wise men found Jesus Christ, you know what they found? They found a king, but they did find a baby. 
Hey, it was a sentimental experience. Hey, when I came to Christ, when I got saved as a seven-year-old boy out there in that field over there at Camp Pickney Baptist Church, there's a tent set up. I called on Christ. Hey, I shed some tears. Hey, I felt something. I'm not trying to remove that, but I'm telling you, a lot of people, when they get hooked up, quote-unquote, with Jesus, and it's not the real Jesus, it's another Jesus, because it's another gospel purported by other ministers. Hey, when they get hooked up with the wrong Jesus, all it is is sensationalism. Hey, listen, let me speak to you Christians in here for, the, for just a moment. You say, Brother Nathan, why do you have so much animosity for this new emergent church stuff? Because that's what it is. It's all sensation without any understanding. I was somewhere, it might have been this morning or yesterday evening, I forget what I was doing, but I had the thought, I was thinking about this idea of contemporary Christian music and the argument that's often used to justify contemporary Christian music is, well, the lyrics are good. And hey, I will say, some of them, some of them, not many, but some of them do have good lyrics. But you know what lacks Behind most of the people, if not all of the folks that sing those songs, understanding. If you are like a blind hog stumbling across an acorn, that's a Christian stumbling across a good contemporary Christian song. I'm not sure that there are good contemporary Christian songs. But let's just, for the sake of the argument, say that they're out there. That's like a blind hog stumbling across an acorn. But... The thing that lacks is that there's no understanding. And let me just tell you this morning, when you come to Jesus Christ and you get saved, there's some things that you've got to understand. Listen, it's not just a sentimental experience. It's not coming to an altar and shedding a couple of tears. That will probably be there. It might not. Hey, not everybody that gets saved cries their eyes out. I shed some tears when I got saved, but I didn't get saved by shedding tears. I can't tell you the amount of people that's damned and doomed for hell because they came to an altar and shed a couple of tears and had some preacher come and lay his hands on them, and then he stood up and said, they just got saved. No, they didn't, because they don't understand. Hey, but when you come to Christ, you've got to, you have to, you have to understand you're a sinner. Uh, uh, how all that stuff is processed, I may not necessarily understand all of that stuff, but I know this, you can't get saved unless you realize that you have a need to be saved. And you're not going to get saved. You're not going to understand that you have a need to be saved unless you realize you're a sinner. Some of you, that translated in the fact of, oh, my soul, I'm lost and on my way to hell. I'm going to burn for eternity. Some of you, it registered of, hey, I transgressed God's law. Some of you, it, it registered as, hey, my sins put Christ on the cross, but it's all the same thing is what I'm saying. You've got to understand some things, and that's where the sensation comes from. If all you got was sensation, but no understanding, you didn't get saved. That's not salvation. It's not salvation. I was dealing, talking to a lady yesterday, and she said, I was talking to old so-and-so, and she's religious. And boy, my stomach, as soon as she said it, my stomach just turned. Just, you say, why? Because I'm not, I'm not looking for just religion. I'm looking for the religion that's based on the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, religion is not necessarily what saved me. It's being right with God through His Son, Jesus. Amen. 
Yes, sir. That's what saved my soul. And I, well, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for Jesus. You're looking for Jesus about the same way that Herod was. Yes, sir. Hey, you better start looking for Jesus the way the wise men were looking for. Where is he that's born king of the Jews? You know why You know why people want to find, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I can't help it. It's just kind of bubbling over. You know why people want to find a baby? You know why they want to find a sentimental experience? Because a baby's no threat. Hey, when they came to Herod and said, where's he that's born king of the Jews? I'm king of the Jews. Hey, when you start talking to people about, hey, Jesus wants to save you from that sin. Well, you mean I got to quit all this stuff? No, what I'm saying is that when you get saved, you're going to quit that stuff. You may not quit at all immediately the day that you get saved, but God's going to start working on you. And people would rather be sinners than come to Christ and have eternal life. So, Brother Nathan, I've been witnessing to some of my family members, and I've been witnessing to folks down there at the workplace, and they just ain't coming to Jesus. That's because they like sin more than they like Jesus. Well, Brother Nathan, they go to church. They probably go to these one, one of these churches that's a sissy church where the preacher's got a limp wrist and lace on his drawers. You say, why? Because it ain't no threat. It ain't no threat to, the, to, to what they're looking for. They like Herod. Yes, sir. They, they like Herod. Yes, sir. To see him at king, it, it, it garners the same response as it did from Herod. You look there in verse, verse 3, and the Bible says, When Herod the king had heard these things, that these fellows came looking for king of the Jews, it says he was troubled. That's why people don't get saved. And let me tell you something. Most of the time when somebody gets saved, that happens. They're troubled. Uh, either either they're, they're troubled over their sin or they're troubled that the preacher was quote-unquote so mean. Huh? I'm not, I'm not just talking about a guy that stands up in a suit behind a, behind a pulpit. I'm talking about you, a preacher, a gospel witness. Oh, that guy's just so mean. He's so judgmental. But they're troubled. Yes, sir. Herod was troubled. Herod was troubled. You know, I will say that's not the attitude that the wise men came to. Came to. They wasn't all that upset about it. You say, why? Because they really wanted to know. Hey, a man that's really in touch with the truth, a man that's really looking for the truth, he's willing to endure anything as far as what might be true. He's willing to entertain that possibility. Yes, sir. I I had a fellow, good preacher, don't have nothing against him, but I I don't agree with this word of advice. He he told me, he said, you know, when you're preaching and, you know, you have people that's sitting there in, in the... In the pew, he said, you don't necessarily have to make them, you know, tell them to come to an altar and you'll lead them to Christ. He said, you know, when I do all this stuff, he said, I just put it out there and say, hey, you can accept Christ right there in your seat, which is true. You sure can. Hey, if you're sitting here this morning and you're lost and on your way to hell, listen, I'm telling you, you can get saved right there in your seat. But hey, a man that really wants to get saved, you could tell him, hey, you'll have to come up here and stand on top of your head. And if he really wants to get saved, he'll do it. I'm not saying you have to stand on your head to get saved. What I'm saying is a man that really wants the truth, he'll go to any measure to get saved. 
Uh, Dane Lloyd was a member of this church many years. He was here for most of the time, as far as I remember, that my dad was the pastor of this church. And Dane Lloyd, his own testimony was that the morning that he came to this church and got saved, he said, if you would have told me that I had to crawl on my hands and knees through broken glass to get saved, he said, I'd have done it. You say, what is that? That's the attitude of a man who wants the truth at any cost. He's really looking for the king. He's not just looking for some sentimental experience. He wants to know, hey, what must I do to be saved? That's what he wants to know. And I believe with all my heart, a lot of folks are just going through the motions. And they really don't want, they don't want to know how to get saved. They just want some, something that makes them feel good. Listen, I'm telling you, you better get, if you're sitting in here and you lost this morning, you better get that out of your mind. You better get out of your mind. You better get out of your mind the desire to feel good. And you better desire, start desiring, hey, what's true? What's true? What's right? Yes, sir. You're going to have to understand some things when you come to Jesus. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I don't believe in lordship salvation. I don't believe that a man has to... uh, when he gets saved, in order for him to get saved, he has to do everything that's revealed in the Scripture. I believe in a relationship with the Lord. I believe in fellowship with God, and God works on people. I believe and understand all of that. But I do not believe, I do not believe in this salvation where people come down to an altar and their mind remains unchanged about sin. I don't believe in that. That is not legitimate salvation. Let me elaborate a little bit. Let me tell you what I mean. I didn't say that when you come down and get saved, that you will never go back to your seat and go back to your life and that you'll never sin. That's not what I said. But I guarantee you when you sin, you won't look at it the same way. You might get up off the altar after asking Christ to come into your heart and save your soul, you might get up off the altar and go back and drink a beer. You might go back and tell a lie. I guarantee it, 99%, 100% of you have done that. Yes, sir. But you ain't going to feel right. Something inside's going to say, mm, you shouldn't have done that. Yes, sir. You say, why? Because there's a mindset that's been changed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The general difference is the avenue of approach. The general difference is that men just don't, they don't look at Jesus Christ the same way. They just don't look at him the same way. Let me say this. Look here in verse 4. The Bible said, And when he had gathered all the chief priests, the chief priests and scribes of the people. This is Herod. He's saying that he's looking for the Son of God. He's looking for Jesus too. Hey, we don't want you to get saved because somebody else got saved. Yeah. Hey, if you got saved when somebody else got saved, there ain't nothing wrong with that, but I hope you got saved because you saw that you was a sinner. Yeah. Yes, sir, that's a, that's a big deal. Uh, I, I hesitate when one kid gets saved and then 15 other kids say, I want to get saved too. Well, hang on. Let, let's talk about this. Let's make sure you understand some things. And I'd rather you wait if you don't understand. Yes, sir. I'd rather you wait. But this is not a popularity contest. Make a profession of faith. You make a profession of faith. And now people in the church is going to like you more. It don't work that way. That's not what's in view. What's in view is what does God think about you? 
Hey, it's real down in your own soul. Hey, you young folks sitting in here this morning, look up here at me. Look up here at me. You're going to have to get to a place to where your mom and daddy's God becomes your God. And that does not, that does not take place. It does not take place without the new birth. It don't take place without the new birth. It's going to have to get real to you. The reason that some kids never, never, I, hey, I know five, six-year-old kids, man, they got, you know, boys, they got Tonka trucks. And, of course, with some of these boys in here, they got side-by-sides on their mind. I, I understand all that stuff. There ain't nothing wrong with that. But the reason by the time they turn teenagers and never garner an interest in the things of God is because it's never been made real to you. You never trusted Jesus. Mom and daddy trusted Jesus, but it ain't never trickled down into your own soul. Hey, salvation, don't get passed down from generation to generation. You got to come to God through Jesus Christ. You got to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's between you and the blessed Lord. Yes, sir. Got to get real to you. It's got to get real to you. Is it real? Is it real? It must be real. Let me say this, verse 4. Let me get back to the point here. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, It's in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it's written by the prophet. You see what they're doing? They're quoting scripture to him. You know what you note about Herod, in, first thing in particular? His spiritual ignorance. When it comes to spiritual things, Herod doesn't know. I've already touched on it. It's probably because he, it, no doubt it's not probably, it is. It's because he don't have no interest. Hey, when he's told by some wise men, hey, the king of the Jews is here. Herod was completely taken off guard. It shocked him. Hey, let me ask you something. When somebody talks about spiritual things, what's your reaction? Oh, somebody stand up and shout, praise the Lord. Hey, thank God I'm too. Oh, What's that all about? Hey, why does that, that take you off guard? Hey, why is it you got a problem with people worshiping? Hmm? Hey, you know, there was a fellow that was one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. You can't get much closer than a disciple. And you know what he got upset about? Some poor old woman with long hair. Lady's supposed to have long hair. But she comes on in and she brings this alabaster box and she breaks it. The most precious, valuable thing that she's got, she takes it and she breaks it over the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what's that? Worship. That's worship. You know what worship is? It's self-sacrifice. David said, I'm not going to worship the Lord with anything that hasn't required sacrifice. Arana said, hey, you take this piece of land, you take the oxen, and you take the, the, the plow for the wood to burn an offering. He said, the Lord thy God accept thee. David said, nothing doing. He said, I can't take that. He said, I can't worship God of anything that doesn't require me to make a sacrifice. And so he bought it. He bought it. That's what worship is. So somebody come in here and pour out their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ and worship God. And you, I can't, I can't, I can't believe they do that. What you up so upset for, Judas? Why is it why does it take you off guard? Hey, why does it take you off guard that a woman will stand up and shout her hairpins out? Hmm? Hey, my mama, uh, my mama wasn't Church of God, but boy, she missed a good opportunity to be. My mama stand up on the front row in Faith Baptist Church, front row. 
I don't know if you know Daniel Waters. Daniel Waters started singing. She sang this song about Bartimaeus. She stood up and just lost everything she had. I'm sure there are some Judases sitting in that congregation just who she thinks she is. Well, who do you think you are? Hey, I tell you something. Somebody that worships the Lord knows who they are. I try not to preach another message, but worship and praise is not exactly the same thing. They're, they're not the same thing. Praise is something outward. Worship is something on the inside. It's something in your heart. It's a spirit of adoration. It's a spirit of humility. Very hard to worship without some humility. You ain't never been humble. You ain't never seen yourself for the sinner that you are. That's why you got a problem, Judas. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Does it take you off guard, Herod? What's this king of the Jews business about? Well, I mean, what what you talking about? You, You ain't had enough interest in the Old Testament prophets to go and search the scriptures yourself? Hey, when these kings came from the east, hey, I'll tell you who those kings are. I guarantee you they're from Babylon. They're called... They call them. It, they call this passage the visit of the Magi, M-A-G-I, M-A-G-I, magicians. You say, where did they get this information from? Daniel. Back there in the book of Daniel, Daniel was telling them, "Hey, there's going to come a Messiah." Daniel chapter nine, and he's going to be cut off for the sins of the people. Oh, them them fellows have been sitting out there looking. You know what those magicians were called? They was called astrologers looking at the stars. And lo and behold, God let a star just show up. For who? Jews ain't supposed to be looking for no stars. They're not supposed to be messing with astrology. But God in His mercy, I guarantee you, God in His mercy, let some star show up just for them Gentile reprobates. And when they saw it, they took advantage of it. That'd be like a lost man opening up the... The horoscopes, and right in the horoscopes, it's saying you need to go to an independent Baptist church, People's Baptist, this morning. That's not support of messing around with horoscopes. That's God in His mercy. I don't recommend messing around with horoscopes. That's that's messed up stuff. But I guarantee you, that's what all that stuff was about. Follow this star. We'll follow this star. Lo and behold, they find Jesus Christ. But they come to Herod and they say, "Hey." Where's he that's born king of the Jews? What's this all about? What you so ignorant about, Herod? Herod didn't know. I just, you know, I don't understand all this Bible stuff. Are you interested? Hey, listen, you get into a backslidden state of mind, and you'll lose some of your interest. No doubt about that. But you've got some interest there. If you're saved. What's it so quiet in here for? Hey, that's right. That's right. You're not going to understand everything that every preacher talks about, but there's going to be something down inside that says, Ooh, that perks my interest. Hey, that's about the... Oh, hey, that's kind of interesting. Oh, well, preacher talking about this. I'm not really interested in that. Okay, well, get interested. But something interests you about that book. But a fellow, we're sitting back and saying, You know what the Bible says about a man who has no interest in spiritual things, it says it just comes naturally. That's natural. 
1 Corinthians chapter 2. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, because they're spiritually discerned. You know what it says about spiritual things to a natural fella? They're foolishness to that natural fella. You deal with somebody who makes a profession of faith, and when they sit in church, the only thing that they do is... Let me ask you something. What would you come for? How you sit in a church pew and you never get interested about anything, anything that has to do about the Bible. But you sure enough interested about four-wheel drive trucks. And I said Wednesday night sewing and everybody got, all the ladies got quiet. Nobody interested in sewing around here. Bible says Proverbs 31, she knows how to sew. Okay, well, well, skip that. Interested in all kinds of other stuff. But why never interested about anything that has to do with God? Godliness. Righteousness. Might be because you said you're seeking the Lord, but you're really not. Listen, here's a man in his natural state. He's standing upright. And then he begins to see his need for a Savior. And he begins to lean a certain way. You say, what's the way he's leaning? towards the truth, towards looking for the truth. Boy, I need to be saved. How do I get this taken care of? Do I have to become a Buddhist monk? Do I have to become a Roman Catholic priest? Comes into a little independent Baptist church and a preacher stands up and says, if you just call on Jesus, Jesus Christ died for your sins. You know what he's doing? He's looking for the truth and the truth comes to him and lo and behold, saves his soul. You know what he does after he comes into contact with that truth? It's set in his mind. Hey, it worked. I found it. I was looking. I found it. Give me a little more more of this truth, Lord. He's still leaning this way. He don't lean this way and find the truth and say, okay, now that's enough. You say, what's going on, brother? I believe a lot of people saying they're saved and something wrong. Something's wrong with your profession. I want to make it clear. I understand the ups and downs of the Christian life. I understand that you're not going to live 100% of the time. But God planted something down in your soul. It's called a divine nature. It's called the incorruptible, the incorruptible Word of God. Something been planted down in your soul. And that's going to carry you all the way to your glorification. Romans chapter 8, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Changed your life. Oh, I'm interested. Well, I want to know Jesus. Do you? I don't know. There's something you have to examine yourself and see whether you be in the faith. Look in verse 8. The Bible said, and he sent them to Bethlehem. This is what Herod said. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him. Also, you know, here's, here's a professor. He's not, he not a possessor. He's a professor. And I don't mean like an instructor. I mean, he's saying he's looking, but he's not really looking. You know how you can, you, how you can spot a professor? They're looking for Jesus by proxy. Hmm? Well, you go down there to the church and come back and tell me what the preacher said. Why don't you go down there? Yeah. Right. Hey, preacher. How about this answer in the scripture? Well, what about you look for it? I mean, God gave you a preacher. There's no doubt about that. But what I'm saying is, what about you? What about you? Don't you have a relationship with Jesus? 
Ain't you trying to improve that thing? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's his manner of seeking. Oh, I'm really looking for Jesus. Well, why don't you look for him? You know why Herod wouldn't look for Jesus? Because it required him to get off his rear end. Hey, you know in the old days, people believed that people believed that you didn't, uh, let me put it to you like this. You ladies have had babies. Was that an easy process? No. I, I don't know nothing about having a child other than watching my wife uh, be so pleasant and kind for nine months prior. Uh, I was going to say wanting ice cream and dill pickles, but I don't remember any of the crazy foods that she wanted to eat. Oh, I do remember one. Ice. Weird. Where, where do you ladies come up with this stuff? Somebody planted something like a little computer chip in your brain. <laughs> Crave ice. Why? I guess it's because there's something in the nasty water. Uh, body figured out that she could only get it from the ice. That's really strange. I know that uh, nature's bounty's got to make a pill for that or something. Uh, but I done distracted myself. Oh, hey, that was not an easy process. It was not just whiz-bang, flash in the pan. Nine months of preparation, if you will. The, the little munchkin had to cook in the oven, so to speak. First time. I'm not saying that this can't happen. I'm not saying that this can't happen. But we see a whole lot of these conversions where it takes place to where the first time somebody walks in a church door, some preacher preaches a gospel sermon or, or preaches something sentimental, and all of a sudden they go down to an altar, and usually what it is is it's somebody behind them going... No conviction. There's no preparation. Yeah. Hey, the old timers believe they come into church one day, preacher preach, and something will prick their hearts. You can't see that. They come back the next Sunday or two Sundays later, and it's worse. Come back, lay out maybe two weeks, and then come back three weeks later, four weeks later, and just Spirit of God gnawing on their conscience. Yeah. You say, what's going on? Preparation. They're cooking. Hey, isn't it called the new birth? Hey, I believe salvation's easy. I believe it's easy to be saved. How easy is it? Understand you're a sinner and Jesus died for your sins and call on Him. I believe it's that easy. But I don't believe it always takes place in five minutes. The process of God beginning to deal with your soul about you being a sinner and you coming to the understanding... Oh, God, I've got to do something about this. Sometimes that takes some time. Yeah. Hey, that's why it's important for you to invite folks to church. Yeah. That, and to stay on them about coming back. Well, they came once and they didn't get saved. Well, you know, your baby wasn't born in one month. If they were, if your baby was born before the full term, that's an unhealthy baby, usually. Yeah. I wonder what's with all these unhealthy conversions. Somebody come in and go to church one service and make a profession of faith and then they never come back? Mm, I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it. 
Give me five minutes and I'll show you how to be saved. I don't believe it. I do not believe it. You say, I believe that, Brother Nathan. Okay, help yourself. But the first time I ever heard the gospel, I didn't understand. I guarantee you the first time you heard the gospel, you understood some things, but you didn't understand at all. You may have understood you were a sinner, but not knowing how to get that fixed. You may have understood how to get it fixed, but not really knowing why you needed it to be fixed. There's things that have to be understood. Not a sensational process. There's a sensation to it. But it's built on the truth. It's built on the truth. It's built on the truth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Herod's not looking for Jesus. He'll send him an agent. He's looking for more information, but it's a half-hearted, unenthusiastic endeavor. Yes, sir. If Herod wants to find Jesus himself, he's going to have to leave his throne. He's going to have to be willing to quit being the boss. He's going to have to be willing to quit being in charge. Brother Nathan, I've witnessed the so-and-so and they just won't come. Well, maybe what they know, the reason they ain't coming to Christ is because they know they'll have to give up control. You don't want to get saved? No. Well, why not? Well, I really like to drink. I really like to run around. I really like to embezzle money. I really like to do this stuff. I don't want to get saved. Are you going to have to be willing to let Jesus be in charge? Yes, sir. You know what the natural result? You say, Brother Nathan, this sermon's long. Hey, hell's going to be a lot longer. You just get over that. I, when I, as soon as the Lord tells me I'm done, I quit. I, I promise. But until then, I'm going to go on, okay? Oh. I, you done distracted me. I don't remember. See, just leave me alone and let me preach. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're going to have to learn to just let Jesus Christ be in charge. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Be careful about a fellow who says he's looking for Jesus, but he's not willing to leave his throne. Yes, sir. A man who says he's wanting to find Jesus, but doesn't leave his position to do it. Boy, there's a, there is a, a profession there call into question. Now let me say this, verse, verse 16, let me say this. You notice Herod's insensibility. Look here in verse 16. The Bible said, then Herod when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under according to the time he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Here's a guy who's saying he's looking for Jesus. But he's not really. He's looking for something else. He got ulterior motives. Hey, a lot of people look for Jesus, quote unquote, with ulterior motives. Jesus is nothing more than Prozac. Xanax. He like a trip to Disney World. He's going to relieve me of all my problems. That's what people think about Jesus. He's looking for Jesus with ulterior motives. He wants to eliminate the competition. And he can't find him. He can't find him. You say, why? He's not looking for him with an honest heart. He really don't want to know the truth. And so he can't find him. So you know what he does? He kills everything that looks like Jesus. Jesus' little baby. Herod said, the only way I can eliminate him is by getting rid of everything that resembles him. You know what resembles Jesus Christ today? What's supposed to resemble him? You. Me. 
a man who says he's looking for Jesus, but he's not really looking for Jesus, you know what he begins to do? He begins to destroy anything he finds that really looks like Jesus. Here's some Christians. Boy, they're beginning to pattern their life after the Lord Jesus Christ. And a man says, I want to know Jesus, but he doesn't really. He begins to attack the very thing that looks like Jesus. You say, where do you get that from? Paul. At the time, his name was Saul. You know what Saul was? He was very zealous about the things in the law. And you know what he did? He went around killing Christians. Jesus said there will come a day where people are going to put you to death. And when they do it, they think that they're doing God service. Huh? It hasn't yet come to the place to where we're being put to death in this country. But boy, there sure is a whole lot of mudslinging from preachers towards other preachers that's really trying to preach what's right. Oh, you preachers is just so judgmental. Oh, you preachers don't love people. Well, I thought Jesus Christ was the one who we took our instructions from as far as loving people. I thought Jesus was the one where we got our instruction from on loving people. And Jesus Christ gave some people a fit. You say, what was it over? Righteousness or the lack thereof. And so what do they do? What did they do with Jesus? Put him to death. When Jesus really showed up right in front of them, they said, we will not have this man to reign over us. Let me ask you something. What's your attitude towards the brethren? Hmm? Somebody come in and sit on a church pew and make a profession <clears throat> that they've been born again, but never fall in love with God's people? No, sir. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. You say, but I don't give a rip what you say. You know what Paul the Apostle said, and believe it, it's either First or Second Thessalonians. You know what he said to that church at Thessalonica? He said, even ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. Nobody has to be preached about, but nobody has to stand up with a whiteboard and a marker and say, now you should really love your brother. You say, why? Because God's done that. God does that. And when that impulse is not there, when that inclination towards your brother and sister is not there, something's wrong. You cause more hell in a church than you cause in Walmart. You lost. You cause more hell in a church than you cause down at your family reunion. You are lost. You are lost. I don't care how you see that. I don't care whether you believe that. You lost as a softball in high weeds, my friend. You better trust Jesus. Hey, when a man gets saved, he loves everything that has to do with Jesus and this new life. You know what? There's people sitting in here with faults. Did you know that? In case you didn't know that, let me just tell you. All these people have faults. We love them anyway. Hey, we're not, this is not a competition. Sometimes it feels that way when you got your eyes set in the wrong place. But it's not a competition. We're in this thing together. We're trying to pull each other to the finish line. Sometimes we lose steam. Sometimes you lose steam. Sometimes I lose steam. You know what we do? We pull each other to the finish line. Come on. Don't quit. 
push a little bit further. You say, why? Because when we got saved, God put that in our hearts. Somebody that's constantly trying to cause trouble in a church. That ain't right. Something's wrong. Hey, can I hear you say amen one good time? Because that's true. That's true. Don't think nothing about causing no trouble. Nowhere else. But God help us when we've got to come down and sit near the church house and sit around a bunch of people that look like Jesus. Hey, go to that individual who's causing hell in a church and say, how come you don't like it here? Huh? How come you don't like it here? I don't know. There's just something weird about all these people. I know. You know what it is? They all resemble Jesus. You know what the Bible says? He said, we're all, we're all slain like sheep for the slaughter. You know who else was reckoned as a sheep? The Lamb of God. Hey, that Lamb of God laid his life down freely. And you know what? These people sitting in here with a lot of their faults, a lot of them, a lot of your faults, a lot of my faults, we got them, don't we? But some of these people in here give people chances and put up with foolishness out of people that nobody at your family reunion would put up with. Huh? People sitting right here in this church have put up with some of you, put up with other ignoramuses. You say, why? Because we just love people. You say you're a brother, you say you're a sister, okay, we'll love you. Something ain't right. How can you say, John the Beloved said, 1 John, how can you say you love God whom you haven't seen when you don't love your brother whom you have seen? You're not looking for Jesus. You're not looking for Jesus. You say, what are you looking for? What are they looking for, Brother Nathan? To eliminate the competition. You know, the world craves, they crave what the church has. You know what the world's trying to do right now? There are no black folks in here, but they're saying, you're not black and you're not white. You're just people, which is stupid. You're not male and you're not female. That is even worse. It just, it's dumb. It's insanity. Black man come in here. I'm not going to try and make him white. I'm going to try and make him a Christian. Be black, man. Like collard greens and watermelon. Help yourself, honey. That, that's racist in and of itself these days. But I couldn't care less. There's not enough people listening to this sermon anyway. <laughs> uh, hey, you know why they're trying to do that stuff? To promote unity. We just got to get everybody to get along. We want everybody to get along with it. We want everybody to like each other. We want everybody to love each other. And you know where they're missing? They're missing Jesus. Hey, man, you're not going to make black people like white people without Jesus. You say, why? They're different. You're not going to make Chinese people like Japanese people. You say, why? They're different. They look the same, but they're different. Jesus is where it's at, my friend. Jesus is where it's at. Lord, we thank you for this morning, God. Thank you, Lord, for everything, God, that you made available to us in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray, Lord, if, the, if there's anybody here this morning, Lord, never found you, Lord, I pray that they come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's simple. Lord, it's so simple, God. Lord, you said, except a man be 
uh, humble like a child and be converted, he can no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. God, Lord, I pray that you help us, God, to see, Lord, the need, God, to come down, not to go up, but God, to come down. Two men went down to the temple to pray, you said one day, and one came away justified, and that was the man who humbled himself before you. He said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Lord, I pray, God, that you work on our hearts this morning. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some have come this morning. If you feel like you need to come, you come on and do business with the Lord. Let me tell you, if you never trusted Jesus Christ, it's as simple as understanding that you're lost and on your way to hell, recognizing that you violated God's law and that Jesus Christ came and died in your place. And if you'll simply call on him in faith, trusting that he'll save you if you call on him, the Bible said that he'll save you. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. I'm meek and lowly in heart, you'll find rest to your souls. The Lord will save you this morning if you just simply call on him. You don't have to come to an altar, but it wouldn't hurt you to come. All you got to do is call on him this morning. He'll save you. He's a loving savior. He wants to save you this morning. Do business with God as he leaves.